Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of Places, People, Purpose. Today, we're going to learn more about the history of Churchill, Manitoba. So let's get started. Churchill, Manitoba, a remote and picturesque town on the western shore of Hudson Bay, boasts a rich and storied history as a hub for the fur trading industry. The success of the fur trade in Churchill owed a lot to the knowledge and expertise of the indigenous people of the region. Indigenous trappers and hunters, such as the Dene, possessed invaluable skills in harvesting furs, which they traded with European settlers for tools, textiles, and other goods. Churchill's proximity to the Arctic Circle and its accessibility by sea made it an ideal location for trade and exploration. However, the town's remote location also posed numerous challenges. Its harsh winters, with temperatures plummeting far below freezing, required traders to develop innovative strategies for survival. Yet Churchill's inhabitants persevered, and the town thrived as a result of the fur trade. For many years, this region was a focal point for fur trading, playing a pivotal role in Canada's economic and cultural development. One of the most prominent fur trading companies was the Hudson's Bay Company, founded in 1670. The Hudson's Bay Company played a central role in the fur trade in Churchill and the surrounding regions, laying the foundation for the town's growth and prosperity. In 1717, the Hudson's Bay Company wanted to establish a presence in the Hudson Bay region for the fur trade, and did this by constructing the Prince of Wales Fort near a piece of land known as Eskimo Point. The fort was built as a trading post to facilitate the collection of valuable furs from the surrounding areas. The fur trade was being driven by fashion, as everyone wanted a beaver fur hat. The fort would serve as one of the many fur trading posts the company would construct at the mouth of rivers all along the Hudson Bay. By the late 1720s, the tension between England and France over the control of the fur trade began to build, and the Hudson's Bay Company instructed that a wood fort be fortified with stone. Tradesmen and laborers from England were sent to Churchill in 1731, and the first stone was laid for the foundation of the fort on June 3, 1732. The fort was named in honor of Prince Edward, who would later become King George III of England. Its imposing stone walls, which reached up to 40 feet in height, were designed to intimidate rivals and assert the British claim to the territory. The fort's construction was plagued by numerous challenges, including harsh weather conditions, supply shortages, and tensions with the indigenous people in the area. Originally predicted to take only six years to build, the Prince of Wales fort was never fully completed, even after 40 years of steady construction. The fort took so long to build due to the small construction crew and the sheer amount of time spent just trying to survive in cold northern Manitoba on the edge of the Hudson Bay. Chopping wood occupied much of their time, as it took four carts of wood a day in winter to warm the living quarters. 
Overall, the conditions at the fort were bleak. The unbearable cold in the winter and smoky sleeping quarters, bugs in the summer, and hard labor year-round made progress slow. Men continued building the fort almost without a break until 1771, and it still was left unfinished. Tensions continued to rise between the English and French throughout the construction of the fort. In August 1782, the French Navy, allied with indigenous forces, launched an attack on the fort during the American Revolutionary War. Led by Captain Jean-Francois de la Parousse, the French captured the fort without firing a shot as the British defenders surrendered. The Hudson's Bay Company was at a disadvantage during the French attack, as only 38 non-military men were operating the fort. The fort's governor, Samuel Hearn, recognized this and surrendered without a single shot being fired. After Hearn and La Parouse came to a mutual agreement that allowed the fort's men to return to Britain unharmed, the French partially destroyed the fort. Although a portion of the fort was damaged, most of the buildings remained completely intact and continue to be so today. The Hudson's Bay Company regained control. By this time, the fur trade was a waning industry, and the fort's relevance quickly fell off. The fort sat in rubble until 1920s, when it was named a National Historic Site of Canada. Parks Canada's restoration of the fort began once the Hudson Bay Railway was completed in 1929, and construction equipment and a larger workforce became available. Restoration continued in the 1950s, and archaeological investigations at and around the fort began in 1958. Today, the Prince of Wales Fort stands as a National Historic Site of Canada, a testament to the complex history of the region. Visitors can take guided tours that provide historical context and access to the interior of the fort, allowing them to step back in time and imagine life within these stone walls during the fur trade era. As a National Historic Site of Canada, the fort offers a unique opportunity to explore the past and gain a deeper understanding of the forces that shaped this remote corner of the world. Unfortunately for the town of Churchill, there was a decline of the fur trade industry in the late 19th century. Changes in fashion trends and the depletion of certain fur-bearing animals led to a decline in demand for fur, which threatened Churchill's economy. During the late 1920s and early 1930s, the Hudson Bay Railway and a deep-water port named Churchill Port were constructed. Their construction constituted a concerted effort to connect the prairies of Canada to the port of Churchill on Hudson Bay. The Canadian government wanted to promote economic development in the Canadian prairies, particularly in the provinces of Manitoba and Saskatchewan. These regions were experiencing a growing agricultural industry, and farmers in the prairies needed an efficient and cost-effective way to transport their grain and other products to international markets. 
Because Hudson Bay is ice-free for a significant portion of the year, it provides access to international shipping routes. By building the railway and port facilities, prairie farmers and industries gained access to global markets for their products, particularly grain. The port and railway projects also aimed to develop the town of Churchill as a major transportation and trading hub. The port had the potential to handle significant cargo and became a vital part of Canada's northern infrastructure. The railway played a crucial role in the transportation of agricultural and industrial goods from the prairies to international markets. While the railway has faced various challenges over the years, including maintenance and financial issues, it continues to serve as an important transportation link in northern Canada. While the port has faced various challenges as well, including fluctuations in shipping activity and ownership changes, it remains a vital part of northern Canada's transportation network. Churchill also had an airport established in 1941 by the Canadian government as part of its efforts to enhance transportation infrastructure and support the war effort during World War II. While the airport was primarily intended to serve as a military airfield, it also played a role in facilitating transportation for the civilian population and the transportation of war supplies. In addition, the United States established a military outpost in Churchill as part of its broader efforts to ensure the security of North America and protect vital supply lines. By establishing a military presence in Churchill, the U.S. aimed to monitor and defend against potential threats from the Arctic region, including German U-boats that could potentially disrupt shipping routes. During the Cold War, the human population peaked at about 5,000 as U.S. and Canadian governments expanded Churchill's military facilities. When the U.S. military pulled out and dismantled its base in 1970, much of the town's population ebbed away. Despite that, the town has remained a vital link in the development of Canada's northern regions due to the Hudson Bay Railway and the deep water port. As we know, Churchill has become renowned as a premier destination for wildlife enthusiasts. The region is famous for its polar bear and beluga whale viewing opportunities, drawing tourists from around the world to witness these magnificent creatures in their natural habitat. That's all we have for today, and today's episode concludes our Churchill experience. If you enjoyed our podcast, please follow us wherever you get your podcasts. In our next episode, we will be moving to the city of Tucson, Arizona, a place that has a fascinating history and mix of cultures. We think you will really enjoy what we have to share about Tucson. So join us for our next episode of Places, People, Purpose, where we create connections to our world.